0: This is Mission.org. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes.
1: Welcome to Marketing Trends.
0: Thanks.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: I'm Ian Faison, and I am joined. That voice sitting across the table from me <laughs> is our new co-host, Lauren Vaccarello.
2: Hold the applause, everybody. Yeah. No, <laughs> thank you. I'm so, so excited to be here.
1: And we're excited to have you. So, you know, obviously in the first episode, Chad and I talked about all the things that we're excited about to bring you in Marketing Trends, and for this episode and many more to come... Lauren is the third head of our Hydra here at Marketing Trends. She is an exceptional marketer. She has been been in every role of marketing leadership and has a long career as a digital marketer, which is just what we need for this day and age. So Lauren, would just love to let's dive into your background a little bit and kind of learn more about who you are. And then in this episode, we're going to talk about why. CMOs get fired and a few of the things that you've seen in your career of why that happens. And we want to talk about, you know, what are the things that Lauren wishes she knew that her friends and peers and colleagues talk about behind closed doors? Like that's the point of this podcast is to learn all this stuff. So Lauren, let's uh, let's dive into that background.
2: Cool. I'll tell you guys a little bit, uh, a little bit about me. So I've been doing marketing for 15 or 16 years I'll give you a little bit of insight to things that you can't find about me on the internet. The good thing about having a very unique name is, or the bad thing about having a very unique name is you can find everything about me on the internet. The things that are harder to find is my first marketing job was actually at a record company, which is not on the internet. I did sales and marketing for a punk record label in Brooklyn before Brooklyn was cool. And I did things like covered design and calling distributors. And then my first job in digital marketing, again, not on the internet, I worked at an online dating company before online dating was socially acceptable and things that people did. And I had to figure out how to run paid search campaigns for online dating when it was Google and there was Overture, which was bought by Yahoo and how everything worked. And a lot of my early career was just diving into things that were new technology and figuring out how it worked. I remember I'd ran um digital marketing at a online trading company. At the time, the company that I was working for was the eighth largest advertiser on Google. And we were probably spending two million dollars a month, which on Google AdWords then was just crazy amounts of money. Now you have, I think in the recent Booking.com um earnings call, they were saying they were spending a billion dollars a quarter on Google. Oh my goodness. Isn't it insane?
1: That is wild.
2: So my like piddly two million dollars a month at the time was a ton of money. And I remember, you know, working at this online trading company, doing online marketing, because it was the only kind of marketing they did, and saying, hey. We're generating leads for for retail salespeople. And what do we do about it? And how do we get better leads? And saying, well, I'm spending this money on Google AdWords. It would be great if I could integrate Google AdWords with my CRM system. Well, my CRM system is this weird thing called Salesforce. And how do I make it work together? And me being the precocious young marketer I had no idea that I shouldn't be trying to tackle that problem. Did a Google search, was like, how do I connect these? Found this tool called Keaton. It was like, that sounds cool. And I don't know if I installed it myself or if there was a Salesforce admin. I probably shouldn't have installed anything because, I mean, no one should give me that level of access at whatever early 20s I was. And then suddenly started getting these reports to connect keywords with actual leads and conversion and, you know, pipeline and closed deals. And I was like, this seems cool. And then I'd go to sellers and say, "Hey, can you call these these people and tell me the difference?" And what I had no idea is what I was doing was basic lead scoring before there was lead scoring, and how do you build lead lists before this exists, and how do you prioritize? And this whole concept of marketer's job is not to drive leads; it's to actually drive revenue for the business. I had no idea that that's what I was putting in place. I just knew that I also had been a seller. And as a seller, a quota-carrying seller, you're like, how is the quickest way for me to make money? Yeah. So that was my logic, which ended up being sort of the foundation of how B2B marketers operate now. So completely coincidental, I started my own company to try to, I had this great idea of how do you improve the way you buy advertising online and the way you bought advertising online 10 plus years ago, as you call a bunch of publications. You get insertion orders. It's a huge process. And I say, well, that doesn't make sense. Wait,
1: it's uh, still the same. I know. <laughs> it's not like it's changed that much.
2: Well, now there's ad networks. Yeah, I know. And what I wanted to do was create this ad network for financial services to get premium content from one place. If you know anywhere to get good premium content, you should I,
1: there's I know a place where there's some really good premium content. That's for sure. Awesome.
2: So in 2008, I was like, I'm going to create this network of premium content for the financial vertical. It's going to be amazing. If anyone remembers 2008. Yeah.
1: The financial sector back then, I think it was all right. right? I think it was fine. Big budgets.
2: I think think it was huge budgets. I quit my job. I moved to California. I quit my job. I self-fund this startup. And then... Lehman Brothers crashed, and I really got to explore poverty and figuring out how to pay my rent.
1: Wait, what? did you go to school for marketing?
2: I did. I never thought I would do it.
1: That's so funny. <laughs> the
2: reason I went to school for marketing is uh, I had to declare a major when I got into college. Yeah. And I had to write an essay for my major. And I said, well, what's what can I write an essay on? And I was like, public advocacy. I will be a public advocate, which was in the marketing school. And then I figured I would just change my major later and then never did, but got a fantastic marketing education. Emerson College has a great marketing program, but never thought I would do it. I actually graduated and was a bartender and thought I would buy, I would run a restaurant. I'd do that. I made all of this money bartending. I made like $200 a night. Oh, yeah, I know. And I'd have this cash. It was amazing. And then ended up getting this job at the online dating company because I just needed health insurance and you know, 15 years later, I am still gainfully employed and really excited that this is my career path.
1: And one of the things that I just want to kind of brag on you for a little bit of why we're so excited to have you as part of the podcast and as my co-host sitting across from me at sunny Palo Alto here is that Lauren has the ability to blend the strategic with the tactical, much like we talked about in the first episode with Chad, but it's a rare quality and you see it with the best marketers and the best cmos that they can do this and it's something that is really difficult because there are so many tactics now and the best marketers going forward are going to be able to understand all of those tactics and how it fits into the broader strategy and it's something that you know why this is called marketing trends is because the trends that we're talking about are really successful to win today, to win tomorrow, to win next year, to win two years from now. But those trends are going to be obsolete in five years, potentially.
2: Completely. And when I think about this, even the strategic and tactical, I was at Salesforce after the whole startup that I started failed fantastically. I ended up getting this job at this company, Salesforce. It seemed good. I had used their product before, and they were about 2,400 people when I started, I'm not the category leader. And I think things that I learned a lot when I was there was this idea of sort of strategic and tactical. It was how do I understand the business? How do I understand what matters? How do I get the overall strategy and vision? And then how do I use all of these different ways of execution and think of it like a jigsaw puzzle and say, if we are trying to accomplish X, here's everything I have at my disposal. Now what do I put together to be able to do that? And how do I have a conversation with the CEO or the COO or the CMO or whomever that is that strategic conversation saying, here's your goals. This is is what you're trying to accomplish. This is how we're going to do this. And then also go and talk to my team and set that vision, but be really clearly articulate. Here's the different tactics we're going to do. Here's how we're going to accomplish this. So it's not just... A bunch of fancy words, it is something that's truly achievable.
1: You know what's interesting is we talked to a lot of CIOs on our IT Visionaries podcast, and good CEOs, or excuse me, good CIOs, much like good CMOs, can figure out how to blend those tactics together to to work to be successful. You know, great CMOs or CIOs can figure out how to, you know, achieve that strategic vision but the best ones that don't get fired are the ones who can actually explain what they're doing to the boss and to the board.
2: Completely because it's so easy to be taken for granted as a marketing leader. When you do your job well, it looks easy and everyone just assumes it's easy. It's easy for every single lead to get followed up on. It's easy to execute a campaign on time and on budget. It's Easy to get the website live. It's easy to do all of this marketing automation work. It's easy to do this. The truth is, it's a ton of work. Yeah. For example, I I remember, gosh, every time I've launched or relaunched a website, it is by far the hardest thing that you will ever do as a as a marketing leader is relaunching your website. It is totally thankless. Everyone has an opinion. Maybe your CEO is weighing in on every single change on the website or design or content. And then you have the product team that has a perspective on product content. And then you have, say, your HR department who's like, why aren't you putting more on the About Us page? And you have every single group with all of these opinions. It is so much work. You are going to be working insane hours. It's not going to be done perfectly. And then when it goes live, everyone assumes it was like, snap your fingers and the website's there. You're like, do you know how many people are like littered on the, in the hallways of this company because we have completely burned out over this website and maybe you maybe you get two days worth of like reprieve and praise <laughs> for that website yeah
1: it's like uh, it's like making thanksgiving dinner for your family right and then you tell everyone that this is the you know hey They were all here last year for Thanksgiving. They're like, wait, why don't I get my same spot from last year? I want to be closer to the door because it gets hot. Or I want to be closer to where the turkey's going to be. And like, wait, the last year we had mashed potatoes. This year they're baked potatoes. Like it, it absolutely is. It's thankless and there's no way to win.
2: And you're like, you're killing me, Smalls. And it isn't. But if you have that relationship with your CEO, the rest of the leadership team, the board, who fundamentally understand... This is what's going on. And as you're, for example, relaunching a website or putting a campaign together, whatever it is, setting that constant expectation. And you don't need to be the martyr that talks about how hard your job is, but you also shouldn't brush aside how much work people are doing, that you need everyone to empathize and support the work of the marketer. And if you want to have – a decent tenure as a marketing leader which let's be candid is really challenging the average tenure for a, a CMO in Silicon Valley is 18 months and someone's like well it's up to 20 months and I was like "That's nah, not and it's for a reason it is a very challenging job and if you don't have that great relationship with clear expectations it is easy to not last or to burn yourself out
1: one of the things that is so important for marketing leaders In the current day and age is everything is measured everything comes down to are you going to build the strategy that has the right tactics at that time and those tactics are going to change and you know that they're going to change whether it's bidding on ads or other things like that and lauren over the course of her if you if you've ever seen her speak or if you've seen any of her writing has the ability to blend those two things which is really unique. And it's something that in the digital world is critical. And we wanted you know, to bring her on as the, as the co-host of this podcast because everything is the digital world now. Every single company has to have this capacity and has to know how to manage demand gen, manage leads, manage these digital funnels. And if you don't, you're going to get left behind. And there's so many learnings that between Lauren, your peer group and you have had over these years that we wanted to be able to bring that stuff to the forefront. So let's kind of just talk through some of those things. Like what are the things, like what are those mistakes that you've seen people make or that you've made over the years that you see people kind of get set in their ways and ultimately like get fired as a CMO?
2: Totally. And you brought up a really, really good point and it's this ability to go from strategic to tactical. And you see marketers who are great at talking and great at sort of painting the vision but when it comes down to execution just just can't do it or the marketer who gets so stuck in the details but doesn't understand the proverbial forest through the trees. Um, I think the the things that make certain marketers really, really great and I've seen success in my career and sort of my peers around me is this idea of adaptability. The reason I get a kick out of the fact that I started in digital marketing before it was socially acceptable is that was only 15, 16 years ago, and now you can't be a marketer with at least understanding how the internet is going to fuel your product and how quickly that's changed. And I remember being one of the first B2B advertisers who was using Facebook, and this was years and years ago. I was at Salesforce and I was running a paid acquisition for them at the time. And Facebook was doing um, this offsite that they were getting 25 companies together to try to figure out advertising and try to figure out how to run advertising on Facebook. And I remember sitting in this hotel ballroom talking to the head of product for Facebook and a bunch of other people talking about as advertisers, what do we care about and what do we buy? And the irony of that is I probably had some small input into something that I've spent tens of millions of dollars on as an advertiser. And social media wasn't a thing. And now it is the thing, and it is where we spend our money, and it's where we spend our time. And I remember when there was a question on Jeopardy, which was, what's the biggest search engine? And they got it wrong, and the answer was Google. And now that is just so ingrained in our DNA and how quickly everything has changed and the speed and rate of change, both of technology and what skill sets you need as a marketer, it just keeps getting faster and faster. And what makes you a good marketer today might make you irrelevant in five years. So that adaptability and that curiosity is completely, completely critical right now.
1: Yeah, and I think that we... Are building this podcast and marketingtrends.com because there is no, you know, 10 year check in like there is for a physical therapist. Like there's no recertification. There wasn't a certification in the first place, right? We've talked about in the past that all of our marketing books are irrelevant uh, by the time
2: they're published.
1: (laughs) Yeah, literally. I mean, and marketing, I'd say more so than any industry, it's completely irrelevant. And you know, the principles still don't necessarily fit. And, and if you don't stay, you know, there's a reason why the podcast is called Marketing Trends, because we want to stay up to date with the current trends, because that is where the value is created.
2: It completely is. And it's what are the things we need to do as marketers to be ahead of the game? And I remember when the only thing you needed to do was to win in your category, was to put up some search ads and eventually maybe put up ads on Facebook. Now everybody can do this. So now what makes you different? Now what do you need to be able to do as a marketer, whether it's your messaging or your content or your campaign strategy or tactics or execution or thinking about how video or AI plays in, what's going to keep all of us relevant and all of us ahead of the game so we can continue to grow the companies that we, we work for or we run? And that's honestly one of the things that gets me super excited about the podcast, about being asked to be on this is how do we make sure we continue to push the mar- the role of the marketer, the role of the CMO as incredibly relevant? And there's so many things that I sort of secretly want for, for all CMOs and for all marketers is have that bigger seat at the table to... Not have marketing be seen as a cost center, to have marketing really be that strategic leader in an organization. And that's part of what I want to talk about on this or what are the things we're seeing? How can, as marketers, we stay ahead? And the flip side is for good or for bad at this point in my life, the vast majority of people I spend my time with are senior marketing leaders. And we have these great conversations about what's actually happening what is happening when we're running our teams or our departments and we have these conversations about what challenges we're facing what's working what's not working and it's super candid that you have in these small group settings with people that you trust and it's the the real stories that nobody talks about publicly and i'm fortunate enough that a lot of the people that i spend my time with who are really interesting successful marketing leaders have agreed to come onto this podcast and have the same kinds of conversations about what drives all of us and not have it over drinks at the, you know, secret marketing leaders lunch that we do quarterly.
1: At at The Mission, we've done a lot of work to bring secret conversations to to the public, that there's things that are being talked about in business things that are being talked about by executives that a lot of the other executives or other people who want to be executives someday are not privy to. And if we can kind of democratize some of those conversations, it leads to better business results for all of our companies. And I think for CMOs specifically, it's a time of unprecedented change. Like they're, you know, 10 years ago when you were sitting down learning how Facebook ads work, the world has completely changed in, in the last decade with 80% of money being spent on Google and Facebook. Yep. And guess what? In 20 years from now, it ain't going to be the case.
2: Completely. If you looked at 15 years ago where the majority of money was being spent, classifieds was in the top five. And it's TV, it's print, it's classified ads who spends money on classified ads now? And it's the, what made you relevant at one point in time could be the thing that sinks you if you become so, so tied to that one thing. And at the same time as marketing leaders and aspiring marketing leaders are making sure we're staying on top of where the world is going, there's some core principles that will fundamentally always exist of who is your target audience? What are your key product differentiators? What's your messaging? And something that I'm seeing right now that I get such a kick out of is you have all of these growth teams that are popping up and they're awesome and they're pulling in all of this data and the amount of data that they have is unprecedented right now to create all of these offers and to come up with all of these different ways to do promotions. And I remember talking to uh, someone that runs a growth team at a very large company and they've got these brilliant data scientists running all of these different experiments and we're sitting and we're chatting, chatting through some of the promotions that they're doing. And the first thing that I realized is you're running these experiments with all of these promotions, but you're not telling any of the people, any of your customers, why they're getting this offer. They just know that suddenly this is X percentage cheaper. Cool, everybody's happy with paying less money, but you're not contextualizing it. And it was because this whole generation is popping up that are so smart and so data oriented but they haven't done the sort of basic principles of marketing of if you're going to provide an offer, who are you sending it to? Why are you sending it to? And what information do you want to raise? And as marketing leaders, we now need to figure out how to bridge these gaps between really traditional marketing, between where digital marketing is right now, between this whole evolution of growth and what is all of this and how does this all work together? So it's a really fascinating time to be a marketing leader, and to figure out what is marketing anymore, what's not marketing. other sort of quick, funny story of the the conversations that hopefully we'll have more of here is um the thing nobody ever wants to talk about, or what you what what you fundamentally don't know, because we're all supposed as marketing leaders in general as business leaders, we're supposed to know all the answers. And I remember having a, a conversation with a bunch of other marketing leaders about the role of the SDR. And where does the SDR sit in an organization? And should SDRs sit in sales? Should they sit in marketing? We have, you know, there's arguments pro and against. And it ended up being this really candid conversation of like, all right, do I want this? Do I want the SDRs to come under marketing? Do I want to push for this? And having one person saying, well, I run the SDRs and here's why it's great. And then another person saying, I ran the SDRs. You want nothing to do with this. And having those really candid conversations of just saying, you know, just tell me the real deal. Is this worth me making, putting a lot of effort forward? Because if you all tell me this is more angst than it's worth, I'm not going to do it. If you all tell me this is game changing, I will go and I'll fight. And having those types of relationships and candor is a lot of what I really want to come out in
1: this podcast. Yeah, and I think that the conversations that we've had so far are really good examples of that. And I think that ultimately, a lot of marketers just want to know where they stand mm-hmm. and know if they can have enough rope to hang themselves with, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I, I think there's certain there's certain folks that are saying, hey, it's like, if you give me more headcount via having SDRs, that's great, that's what I want. And then, you know, someone else might say the opposite thing. But what you don't really see is, The pros and cons of those delivered in a way that is that is valuable. How do you see CMOs, like back to the them, you know, CMOs, why do they get fired? Why do marketing leaders get fired? How do you see the willingness to change? Like how many people, you know, we don't have to say percentage-wise, get left behind versus innovate their way out of a job?
2: It's a really, really good question. I think some get left behind, but what's interesting are the ones who, and this is not statistically significant information, and this will be purely anecdotal. A lot of the, the marketers whose skill sets aren't necessarily evolving, still keep getting new jobs and still keep failing their way up. And it happens a lot. And then you have the marketers that are so ahead of the game that no one understands a word that they're saying. And they are so, so ahead of the curve it's hard for people to keep up with them and they may or may not last. What makes them last is if they have this understanding and the support, whether it's from the CEO or from the board. And that's what ends up being really, really critical is if you wanna last as a marketing leader, do you have the right expectations set with with the CEO and the board? A good example of this is that there's several different types of marketers. But really bucketing it into sort of the three main types of marketing leaders. And I read some article that there are seven types of marketing leaders, and I read it and I went, yeah, this is three. Um, yeah,
1: I, I love that sort of stuff, like the uh, 20 irrefutable laws of whatever. It's like there's not 20 or three or seven or whatever it is. Like it, these are just made up.
2: Exactly. It's like we have now just said the same thing six times. Yeah. Like. This
1: is all there is. It's helpful, but it, like they're helpful rubrics. But it just there's. Um, we'll just say this. There's a reason why the Ten Commandments lasted for uh, for two thousand years, is because people like numbered lists.
2: Yeah, well played. So if I think about sort of marketing leaders, you have your grain of salt. Take the all grain of salt. You have your sort of performance marketing leader, the marketing leader who's really closely aligned with sales, is numbers, is spreadsheets, is growth, is the. This is how much pipeline we're going to generate ARR. They are the growth person. You have your product marketing leader, which is perceived as more strategic. They're going to talk about messaging. They're going to do go-to-market strategy. They probably haven't ever really had to think about pipeline and ARR. They'll be the people who their relationship with sales historically has been around more sales enablement. And you'll have your brand leader, which is going to be longer-term, visionary. Who were we as a brand? Where marketing leaders fail and where a lot of CMOs end up getting fired are a couple of things. The company says, "I, for example, I want a demand gen leader, I want a demand gen leader, I want a demand gen leader, and they come in and the first thing they're asked to do is, well, what's our messaging? What's our product positioning? And they can do this, but that's not their core skill set as a marketer. It's maybe their secondary skill set, but when you hire one type of marketer, but the expectations of that marketer is actually you need to be a brand person or a product marketing person. And then the second thing that tends to get CMOs fired is the company wants a demand gen leader. They hire a demand gen leader. They're in position for two years. The company has shifted. The market shifted. Technology moves. And maybe the core type of person they want now and the main skill set they're focusing on and the main thing that they need is no longer building demand, it's now what's the evolution of our product and our product positioning and what's our strategic roadmap. And the CMO who was your saving grace, the unicorn you've always wanted, suddenly isn't quite what you need anymore. And it's that change of expectations that tends to get CMOs fired or get them in a place where they say, I don't want to do this anymore.
1: So do you think that the skill set of that marketing leader is not where it needs to be? Or would you say that the expectations of that person's skill set are not what they need to be? I it's like, hey, yeah. you've been a demand gen marketer your whole career. You're not ready for this next next phase.
2: I think a lot of it's the expectations, because once you get to a, a level of seniority in marketing, and I say that you know, I'm a digital marketer, I'm a performance marketing leader, I've run product marketing teams for, I don't know, six years, and I run brand teams for probably six years. If I actually had to like hands on keyboards myself and be the person that does everything, I will index to performance marketing. But I can still do product messaging and I could still do brand work, but it's just not my number one skill set. But to your point of expectations, you hire someone for a certain skill set, the expectations of that role might change and the perception of that leader may say this person is or isn't. What tends to save that leader is the relationship that they have with maybe the CEO, with the board, and having that having that degree of trust to know that they are the strategic partner for the business and they are not a commodity.
1: What's wild to me is that, you know, you hear a lot of, in the venture capital world about the fact that when they're investing in early stage companies, it's like, hey, we need an idea that's really big and a founding team that can go recruit a team to build this thing yeah. right it kind of seems like what's so interesting to me about this is like if you are if you're a CEO looking for a, a CMO and you're going to hire externally from the company you don't need the person that has necessarily all of those skill sets you need the person who can attract the right people to fill those skill sets a
2: hundred percent and there's so many expectations that the marketer you need should be the best in class at every thing, single thing of marketing. You're like, no, because your marketing team's not one person. Yeah. What you need is a good leader who understands their strengths, understands their weaknesses, and can balance and hire the best possible talent for the things that they may not excel at or the things that they do excel at, but they just fundamentally don't have the the time and the bandwidth to do anymore.
1: What's the dumbest thing that you've seen a marketing leader... Get fired for arguing with the CEO. No way. Yep.
2: You and this is just good general advice for everyone. Not just going into a marketing leadership job, but really any job is the you have to understand the environment and the culture. And when anyone when you go into an org and they say, you know, we really like constructive conversations and we want to have this ability to debate, pressure test that a little bit because some some organizations don't believe that where it's the disagreement. Oh, I did also hear a story once, um, and I'm not going to say where I heard this. And this was still get a kick out of a sales leader and a marketing leader were sort of butting heads, and the marketing leader had said to the sales leader, "Well, if you don't if you don't like what I'm doing, then you should just fire me." And the sales leader said, "I'll accept that as your resignation." Jeez, you're <laughs> like, okay. And you know what's an important lesson for that story? know where marketing stands in that company because marketing in that company stood several rungs below sales and that was all it took
1: yeah that's wild have you seen in your career people get fired for stupid ad buys or poor allocation of dollars from a granular level like you bought that ad on 101 and it's stupid and this is just the last straw.
2: Not just one sort of, say, bad ad buy or one thing that didn't totally work out. If it's habitual mismanagement of money, 100% worth getting rid of someone for habitually mismanaging money. But I mean, at the end of the day, no one is perfect. And maybe the billboard on the 101 was a great idea at the time and there were circumstances about it. But if you do things like, this person never negotiates anything and just always pays too much. Well, are they really paying attention? Or this person doesn't understand any of the ROI of any of their spend. So it's the, and the disagreeing with the CEO is the the one extreme. That CEO, uh, they probably, it was probably a blessing in disguise for them to leave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean,
1: that's, I was going to say that too. I was to be like, if, you know, <laughs> if I, I mean, yeah, I would definitely way rather be fired from an organization than stay with <laughs> someone who doesn't want discourse. Exactly. So to focus in on the ad, I think, I mean, I I just think that there's this huge percentage of marketers that are just nervous that... That one thing gets attributed to them and it's like that's the elephant in the room totally. of like it's just so Recognizable of like you're the one who did blank campaign and then they that was see the it, worst Yeah, and then they see it on the TV every single like you're the one who bought the Super Bowl ad that was really stupid Or you know, whatever it is. I mean how much kind of like fear and anxiety goes into stuff like that
2: I, I do think there's a decent amount of fear and it's the the best part about marketing is it so visible? And the worst part about being in marketing, is it's so visible? And because what you do is so visible, everyone gets to have an opinion because everyone can say it and everyone thinks they can be a marketer because it's so easy. Yeah, It's a really tough job and you have to have a really thick skin to be in marketing, to lead marketing. And the dirty secret is the more senior you get, the less control you have and sort of the thicker skin you have. What I can say on the the flip side, I mean, of like what you have to put up with being a marketing leader is when you're running your team in your organization, it's really, really important for you to create this environment of psychological safety with the people on your team so that they're willing to take chances and maybe to do something that doesn't work, but you don't want to stifle their creativity. You want to give them parameters and boundaries, but you want to give them that environment to fail, but also to really succeed and to succeed big because as a CMO or a marketing leader an aspiring marketing leader, you will get credit for their success and their failure and a great leader will give them credit for their success and you'll take any responsibility for anything that doesn't work out. And as a CMO, we will get kind of hit for everything that doesn't go right and wrong. But if you've got the relationship with your leadership team, it's Okay.
1: It's kind of the, you know, umbrella scenario, right? Where it's like, you know, the S is going to roll downhill. So it's your <laughs> job to hold the umbrella to protect the rest of your your team. Yeah. But at the end of the day, someone's got to like clean off the umbrella. Yeah. I just made that up, by the I way. Like that, that. was That's a good one. I made up the last part. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, like you're the one stuck holding it, right? Yeah. So you have to have that. Do you think that, you know, we, we've talked, I guess not on this podcast yet, about you know, this idea of the 2012, like I think Corn Ferry study of, you know, 80% of C- CEOs like mistrust or uh, don't fully um, trust their CMOs or whatever that was. And you've kind of seen some of the other stuff about like CMOs or the least tenured person in the C-suite, all that. We kind of know the general state of affairs from those two things, like might not be as bad as it seems, or maybe it's worse, who knows. I think that, it's the best time to be a marketer because you get to right set all of these things. You get to fight all of these stigmas and you get to allow all of these things you know, to build your armor, right? It's like, hey, low expectations and the last three got fired. Guess what? You're the gal now. Mm-hmm. So it's on you to win.
2: It's so funny. I always say sort of being the head of marketing is the most thankless job in the company because your win, everything that you do great is someone else's win. Every failure is kind of always yours. And it's a hard job and people will have opinions, but it is probably the most fun job you can do as well. And just how much the whole marketing world is changing and technology is changing. If you want to be the kind of person that clocks in every day, knows what they're going to do three weeks from Tuesday, and everything is super structured, it's probably not running marketing. It's probably not for you. If you can't take a couple of punches, it's probably not for you. But if you are so excited to climb that hill to figure out how do you get teams to work together and how marketing can truly be the function that leads growth for a business, this is an amazing, amazing, amazing time to go into lead marketing. There's so much cool technology out there that is fundamentally changing how we do business every single day. And that should get you really, really fired up.
1: You know, I I 100% agree and I'll leave you with those last words. I'm so excited to have you part of the podcast. You're going to be hearing a ton from Lauren, myself, Chad, talking to these marketing leaders. We have the best in the biz coming at you for, for the next 100 episodes and more on marketing trends. So, Lauren, thanks so much for hanging out. And this is just really exciting to have you involved.
2: Awesome. So excited to
0: be here. I look forward to having more episodes with you. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in our show notes